0: Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, John Opelowski. How are you today, John?
1: Jim, I'm doing great. I'm excited about episode 77. Hard to believe we're 77 episodes into this uh, journey together.
0: Crazy, and we don't want to delay any longer, so please introduce us to our guest today, and let's get to work.
1: Yes, we have back with us uh, today Josh Spurlock. Josh was with us last week and uh, just uh, was probably the fastest 15, 16 minutes of my life. It was so good, (laughs) and uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to uh, uh, the pod, pod 76 last week, make sure you listen to that one. Josh, welcome back. Um, and we're talking about pastors as first responders. And so Jim, I'm going to let you set Josh up and uh, we're going to just see where this conversation takes us.
0: Well, I, I like the thought of pastors as first responders because it's far more realistic than a clergyman being a guy in a robe that stands in a place and does a flowery speech and a poem about puppies at the end of it. It really is not the reality of ministry. The reality of ministry is at the worst moments in somebody's life, they want their pastor there. Um, and, and that would be the same for a police officer, for a soldier, for a relief worker, for a drug rehab center, for a rape, uh, you know, awareness. I mean, everything that happens in the, in the scope of humanity, a pastor is going to be involved in. So the thought that they're first responders, that they, they suffer from a rate of burnout, discouragement, uh, when bad things happen, people want to know where was God when, and we are stuck as the mouthpiece trying to answer that question. So thank you for bringing that up. And, and I just, um, what do you think are some of, the, some of the benefits of that mind shift from I'm a minister, I'm a youth minister, I'm a children's minister, and I'm a first responder? What are some of the benefits of just getting our mind, our head screwed down straight that way?
2: Well, first of all, you're rocking my world here. You know, I was thinking that pastors only worked on Sunday. And uh, <laughs> just so this idea that they, you know, have other things that they do other than just like you know, sermon prep at a coffee shop. And then imagine what, what shock the it, was it was for
0: me when I discovered that. So yeah, I, right, I get it. Right, gosh,
2: yeah. But we know the reality is different, right? And I, I think one of the advantages of recognizing pastor as first responder uh, does at least two things for us. One, it acknowledges the secondary trauma that's inherent in the work that the King has called us to do. And when we can acknowledge that, then we can be proactive about addressing it in a way that empowers us to be effective in the work that God's calling us to do and uh, protects us against uh, the attacks of the enemy that would like to sneak in that, you know, I I like to tell folks that I'm, I'm completely ill equipped uh, to deal with a zombie apocalypse (laughs) Like, I mean, I don't have the hats, I don't have the gear, like I don't even know what it is that you do. There's a zombie apocalypse, I'm And And the reason for that is I don't really believe a zombie apocalypse is a real thing, right? And so I'm not preparing myself to deal with those realities. If we don't acknowledge the reality of something, then we don't take the necessary precautions and steps and preventative care necessary to prevent that from happening. Mm -hmm. Acknowledging the reality of that first responder of how we are just there, boots on the ground, uh, the speed dial called person when there's a crisis within uh, the body is imperative to preparing ourselves accordingly in order to address that. So that's the first thing that I would say. The second piece is uh, by identifying ourselves as a first responder, we uh, can hopefully differentiate ourselves from other roles as well. Right, that uh, the the paramedic that shows up on the ground and is uh, stabilizing a person and putting them in a vehicle is not the uh, the nurse and the physician in the ER that then takes responsibility for them, and they're not the surgeon then that does the uh, surgery to correct the situation later in the day that if the paramedic had to do all of those different roles, that it would be completely overwhelming and burn them out. But by understanding the scope of what they're being asked to do, they can really focus on that. And likewise, for pastors, there can be this message that says that you're, you're supposed to be within the body, uh, the, the nose, the eyes, the ears, the hands, the feet, the toes, the kidneys, like you're supposed to be all of the body to everybody in the body all of the time, right. which is just not possible and completely burns folks out.
1: Josh, where do you think that comes from? I mean, that, I, we see that, mm-hmm. we observe that. Where, where is that thought process, that, that idea coming from?
2: I think the, at, the, at its core, at its deepest part is this beautiful thing. And it's really about the love that we have for people. Right? And it's our, our want and our wish to be able to be all things to all folks, to be able to see the suffering, see the pain, see the struggle that folks are facing, and to uh, be able to bring about the everything that they need in order to heal and be whole. And while... God is at work to bring about everything that they need to heal and be whole. He's not asking any one part of the body to be everything that is needed. Hmm. And so that, that passion, that love, that care really compels us at times in a way that leads us denying the realities of our limitations and taking on more than what the King is asking us to do in a way that that really sabotages us.
0: Can I? Can I just? I think there's somebody listening that either was taught that what you said isn't true, or believes that what you said isn't true. Mm-hmm. That, that the minister, armed with the word of God, filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? That, yeah. that we are supposed to have all the answers, and we're supposed to, right? Where, I, 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 you know, John said, where does that come from? I, I guess I say, could you talk to that person? Mm-hmm. that believes they are the surgeon, they are the EMT, they are the rehab specialist, they are, because that's what pastors do. And, mm-hmm. and that refusal to, to allow other people to help,
2: you mm-hmm. know, that
0: might be better qualified to help. How, how do you talk to them for a second, see if you can help them?
2: Yeah, I would want to just say, first of all, I love you. <laughs> and I so appreciate your heart in that. And uh, I so value being a co laborer with you in the kingdom. And, and what it is the King's given us to do and this responsibility and the seriousness with which you take that calling that you've been entrusted with. But I recognize that it's this very uh, praiseworthy part of who you are that, that drives you into the space. And let me share that and shoulder that with you, right? That the, within the body, we need each other. And, and that there's a place where if I if you take my role and fill that role and that it leaves a void where the king is asking me to step into right and, then, and it and it puts a burden and a weight on your shoulders that uh, the king isn't asking you to carry right. in a way that if you there's a stewardship principle that's in here that was really challenging for me from the king. Yeah, because King gets up in my grill at times. I don't know how he talks to you or how he deals with you. Yeah, there was a a very pivotal moment in my life where I was in disobedience with the King. It was a time and season where uh, Cassie and I had foster kiddos that we uh, were caring for. And uh, I was busy in ministry and doing all these different things, didn't have a lot of time. And we really felt like uh, the Lord put it on our heart uh, for us to stop uh, leading the small group that we were leading that time and to allocate that time instead to spending with these foster kiddos that we were meeting with. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I believe in small group ministry, supporting the leadership of our church. I mean, I couldn't imagine going to the small pastor and saying, hey, I, I'm going to step out because I feel like the Lord is constantly do that. So this went on for like six months for uh, the Lord really got up in my face. I was like, how long are you going to keep doing this, Josh? Like, it brings me no glory for you to do what I didn't ask you to do. Right. And in fact, you doing this instead of what I'm asking you to do is a misappropriation of the resources I've given you. It's a, you don't get extra points with me for not for doing things I haven't asked you to do to the neglect of the things that I am asking you to do.
1: I was like, oh, <laughs> that's so good.
2: Oh, what a what a kick to the gut for my King. Hmm. And I really had to recognize that this ministry that I was doing over here, because I believed in it, was passionate about it, was actually a misappropriation for what my King wanted me to be spending my time on. Hmm. And that happens. There's somebody out here, there's folks out here listening to this who are misappropriating resources in the kingdom that the king wants you to be spending with your family, Mm. with your wife, with your kids, and being destined because that's important to him and it's a priority as well. And you're not getting any extra points with the king by stealing from your family to give in Mm. this additional ministry context that really he's asking somebody else to step into that gap within the body.
0: Right. Right. Wow.
1: I mean, I'm just I'm just kind of taking this in, Josh, and it's it's just impacting me.
2: Uh,
1: I think about when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Uh, Take my yoke upon you uh, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when you really dig into that passage of scripture, what Jesus is really saying there is that the yoke he has for us fits us. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a good fit. And, and so stewardship is understanding the yoke that he's given me to carry, not the yoke I put on myself, not Mm -hmm. the yoke that other people that I lead want to put on me. It's when I shoulder the yoke that Jesus has perfectly designed for me to carry. I can find rest. I can find peace even in the middle of uh, circumstances sometimes that are difficult. Listen, being a pastor in normal times is hard. Being a pastor in the last 12 months has been excruciatingly hard. And I feel like what I've observed is I see, I see a lot of, of church God love them, right? Church members who are trying to make their pastor a political expert, are trying to make their pastor a spokesman for all of the um, all of the polarization in our country, and and I have pastors telling me, Josh, I don't, I don't feel like I I can do that. I, I when I try to step into that, I don't have any peace. I don't have any sense of rest. So. I love the word stewardship, because I think that's really true, that that God's not going to hold me accountable for things he hasn't assigned to me. Can you,
0: can okay. you when I say them, Jim, that? God, and then God, John. Won't, God won't, but people will. And I yeah. think that's where what you're saying is giving permission to somebody to understand that when Paul says, I, I become all things to all men, so that by all possible means, you know, some might be saved. He's talking about reaching cultures. He's not talking about breaking supernatural barriers of your own natural body and mind and expectations. People, if, if I put an expectation on a friend of mine that I need you to, to jump over a building and come here, or you've disappointed me, I've set up my friend for failure. If we tell our, our clergy, our pastor, our spouses, whoever it is, if we give them demands that are unreasonable and then punish them for not meeting those demands. There is a problem, but it's not our problem. The problem is with the demand, the expectation. So could you help us again, just maybe speak to the pastor now that it's not the one that says, I can do all things, and he's misquoting that, but the one that goes, I'm not sure if I can do anything all right, right, because no matter what I do, I get beat up from both sides of the issue. Well, what would you say to him or her? Today?
2: Clearly, you're doing something wrong, because Jesus never disappointed anybody. He, was <laughs> him. he never did things that made those around him scratch now, their head. Now drop
0: the mic. Just drop the mic and walk away. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. If, if God in the flesh being perfect and the people who are closest to him were going, what are you doing? Yeah. Right. What are you? I don't understand if he could disappoint the expectations of the people who have real needs. Right. <laughs> like there there were people who uh, had sicknesses and demon possession who didn't get healed because Jesus was on a walk. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: that he had the power and the ability, but he was stewarding the realities of his humanity and going and getting away from it and being with his father or taking a nap under the boat in the midst of where everybody else's hair is on fire. And they're like, oh, we're going to die. Right? And, and allowing them to be in that space of being stressed out in their own world, living within the realities and really modeling for us within the scriptures that living within our finiteness is going to lead, uh, have disappointed expectations for folks mm. that, that really believe that somehow we should be able to be on 24 seven and meet every need that that's there. And it's a really challenging thing, but such a key thing for us to be able to look within and recognize the things that are getting bumped into, because if we, as I sat with pastors, as I sat with um, missionaries and, and first responders on the front lines of the kingdom, I uh, were able to identify that some of the, the wounds and the unfinished business that are part of their story that really set them up for these false belief of yeah. what they have to do in order to be lovable and acceptable mm-hmm. and both from people, but also That lens kind of gets put over the father also and through the wounds of our past experiences can cause us to see uh, the father as being more like an Egyptian taskmaster, wanting us to make bricks without straw uh, and having unrealistic expectations of us when in reality, he's just like you're saying, John, saying, I have a yoke that's perfectly made for you. And when you try this on and just this, instead of what others think you need to do, what you think you need to do, but you're just engaged what, what I have for you to do. Yeah. There's rest and there's mm-hmm. peace and it's sustainable and it's right. life giving.
1: So Josh, I mean, I, uh, I feel like I could just listen to you talk for a long time. I, I mean, this has just been mm-hmm. so wonderful. I wonder if maybe you could just outline real quickly, because we're, we're definitely a little bit past our time. Um, what would be one or two of the best next steps a pastor could take in light of our conversation over the last two weeks? I mean, what would you say? Yeah. Hey, you could start here. Here's a good next step or a couple of next steps for you. Yeah, let me
2: start with uh, talking to the married pastor that's out there right? There's a few different categories, but if you're, if you're a pastor out there and you're married, then the next step that I would encourage you to would be to take your wife out on a date, get a babysitter, create some space where you've got a few hours of time, and then to just sit and humbly ask, does it feel like I'm out of balance at all? Like our life, does it feel like, you know, I'm wrestling with this idea. Is it possible that I'm not stewarding my time and resources in a way that honors maybe our marriage or family and maybe I'm giving away too much and what do you think about that do you what do you experience that because I've, I've really found that you know wives you know are, are really attuned yeah. to that and partners you know for uh, female ministers that are engaged in following their passion and calling that we can get if we check in with our spouse, that really brings some valuable information that like maybe it can feel like a wet blanket, maybe it can feel like uh, attack or criticism. But if we can really hold space for it and hear it in love, do that. Mm-hmm. The, the Holy Spirit will enter in that space and really help us to have some eyes to see some things that, that maybe need our attention. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage that to you. For the single minister that's out there that's not married, doesn't have a spouse to kind of have this conversation with, the mentor in your life, someone who really loves you, right? Someone who really loves you, who doesn't, who's not just like your boss and that needs you to perform for them, but someone who just is is in your corner because they love you. And have have this kind of invite them to speak to this matter and go, what do you see? Mm -hmm. I'm reflecting on this. I'm inviting the Holy Spirit to speak through you and into my life in this space. What do you see? Mm -hmm. And and allow that dialogue to begin to happen and to prayerfully consider these things. And I know that the Spirit will lead you in the things that need your attention and your care because He loves you. And He doesn't want to see you burn out or burst into flames before you lose your joy in the work that you're doing.
1: So, Jim, um, I don't I don't know what else to say to that. That is so good. Um, why don't you bring us home?
0: I, I do want to say, I know what to say next, and that is uh, we need to do this again real soon, Josh. Thank mm-hmm. you for just the wisdom. It's funny, you have a gentle authority that gives permission to say no somehow. There's a grace on your life that gives a certain confidence to say things to people that we... I don't know. After you said it, it's like, yeah, that's true. I, I am going to disappoint people. I might as well get used to that. That's true. I, I'm not everything to everybody at every minute. Neither was Jesus. That's, so it's okay. It's it's a part of this walk. I have to trust other people that have other giftings besides the giftings I have and bring them into a partnership and a unity so we can help people to the best of our, our collective ability. So I, it's, it's funny. My, I, my head's nodding, but my heart's saying, amen, amen, amen. You know? mm-hmm. so thank you. Thank you for ministering to John and I as yeah. well as what is listening. And if people wanted to talk a little bit more with you um, and maybe get some help, maybe have some of these conversations one-on-one, how would they do that?
2: Yeah, totally. So mycounselor.online. So that's mycounselor.online is a web address that you can plug in any web browser and that'll help connect uh, to us and our team. You can reach out to me directly through different social media uh, channels at the, using the handle talk to Spurlock. So T-A-L-K, the number two, and then Spurlock S-P-U-R-L-O-C-K. You go seek that out. You'll be able to find me and, and, and private message me. I'd be happy to, to connect with you.
0: And John, what about you? If they wanted to have a conversation with you about this, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, the best way to do that
1: is to go to our, our website, convergecoach.com and, uh, click the services link. And there you'll find uh, information about our mentoring services. Uh, Josh, you talked about the the uh, role of a mentor yes. in the lives of leaders, and and God has uh, graciously allowed us yes. over the years to to have that role in hundreds and hundreds of pastors' lives. We and love it's
2: that. So important, John. I just want to say it's so critical to have someone in your corner who you're not responsible to and you're not responsible for. Yes, right. and just there for you for you to be able to spread out on the table who doesn't need from you that you're not you don't have to perform for them right that's gonna love you good bad and ugly it's such a valuable thing that every leader needs to have in their corner
0: yeah that's actually how our friendship began was i i He dropped off a book. I liked him. I called him because I I needed someone to talk to that wasn't my family, my board, my staff as I was considering changes because whatever I said might upset all of them and I might not do it in the end. I just needed a second confirming voice, wisdom. And so I immediately hit it off. We've been dear friends ever since. So thank you to both of you for being here for um, those that are listening today. And I hope that if you are in need uh, of of the, the simple things before they become complex, uh, you will make these contacts because uh, that's that's what we do at Converge. That's what we do uh, as, as counselors and as friends and mentors and tour mentors to help you lead. Um, you know from from this sense of alignment. So God bless you, dear listener. Glad you're here today, and we hope that we'll be able to serve you again real soon as we all continue to lead from alignment.